Lord, we know that it could very quickly come to an end. It's just your grace. Dear Lord, we also recognize that these churches are much stronger. And these Christians have a great deal more faith than we have. They live for Jesus. They don't just talk a good talk. They walk the walk. Because they know that their salvation is real. And it means something to them. Dear Lord, the Chinese Christians have asked us to pray for them that they do not become like us. And I think in my heart I know what that what they mean by that. Dear Lord, do not allow us to become any more complacent. In fact, stir our hearts. Stir us not just emotionally but stir us spiritually and stir us to action. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Take your Bible, if you will, turn with me to Second Chronicles, the book of Second Chronicles. <clears throat> Follows 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. When you get there, find chapter 16. Chapter 16, chapter 16 of Second Chronicles. We're going to look at chapter 16 and chapter 17 this evening. Israel has been divided. The nation has been divided into two separate countries. The ten northern tribes have called themselves Israel. The southern tribe of Judah and Benjamin and the Levites who fled from Israel and moved south, are called Judah. When you get into the book of First and Second Chronicles, you have to recognize where the king is that they're talking about. In Second Chronicles chapter 16, we're talking about the king of Judah, Asa. In the very first verse, it mentions Baasha, the king of Israel. Let's read a few verses together. Stand, if you would, out of respect for the word of God as we read. In fact, you can read with me if you'd like. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah. To the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, the king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasure of the house of the Lord and out of the king's house. And sent to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go and break thy league, your treaty, with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened to the king Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ijon and Dan and Abel-Maim and all the store cities of Naphtali. Naphtali is not a city, it's one of the tribes. 
It came to pass when Baasha, when Baasha heard it, that he left off building of Ramah, and he let his work cease. Then Asa, the king, took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah, and the timber thereof, wherewith Baasha was building. And he built therewith Geba and Mishpah. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Egyptians and the Lubim a huge host, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. From henceforth thou shalt have wars. We'll pause there. You can be seated. The very next verse says that the king got mad at the prophet who brought him the news. And... Because he was in a rage with him because of what he said. And the king began to oppress some of the people at the same time. Well, what happened? All this happened in the 36th year of his reign, after he'd reigned for 35 years. And two years later, He got a disease in his feet. Maybe it was gout. Maybe it was arthritis. Maybe it was something else. We don't know. But his disease was exceeding great. And yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord, but he sought physicians. And God let him die. They buried him in his own sepulchers, which he had made for himself in the city of David laid him in the bed which was filled with sweet odors and different kinds of spices prepared by the apothecary's art. And they made a very great burning for him. Woo! Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead, strengthened himself against Israel. Now, before we get into the life of Jehoshaphat, let's back up. I want to show you two or three things about Asa. Asa had served the Lord. He removed his mother from being queen because she had a tree carved into the shape of an idol in one of the groves of trees. It was close by the city of Jerusalem, and Asa cut it down and chopped it into pieces and burned it in the brook Kidron. He brought into the house of God the things his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated. And for 35 years, that was at the beginning of his reign, for 35 years, there was no more war until the 36th year when God sprung a pop quiz on him. 35 years of peace. Woohoo! Man. You know what happens in 35 years of peace? You get used to it, you get to thinking you're secure. You get to thinking that, hey, reason nobody attacks us is because we're so strong. You know? 
when the truth of the matter is they didn't attack him because God prevented them from attacking him. And then God allows the king of Israel, his cousins, to come and attack. And he didn't really attack. He just came onto the land of Judah and began building a city, city of Ramah. It's over in Gilead, east side of the Jordan. And he starts building this city, and the king of Judah, who's Capital city is in Jerusalem. Sends word to the king of Syria up in Damascus. That's about 80 miles, by the way, in case you're wondering how far away that is. About the same as from here to Jeff City. Maybe a little, not quite as far as from here to Jeff City. Okay? From Jerusalem to Damascus. And he sent word to him and sent him a bunch of treasure and said, hey, We're friends. We have a treaty. And I know you also have a treaty with the king of Israel. But you break your treaty with him, and I'll make it worth your while. After 35 years of peace, and after God had given him a great victory over this huge army from North Africa, Don't you think he would have known? Pray first. Find out what God wants and then begin to work. But, nope. He had learned the art of politics or the science of politics. Depending on what course you're taking in college. You can take a course in political science. But the guys who are really good at it practice it as an art. And so he sends a treasure to Ben-Hadad and says, hey, come help me. And Ben-Hadad comes down. He just moves into the north part of Israel. Part of, the, part of the territory that he took is now in Lebanon. And so he, you know. But Israel controlled that part of the world then. And, and so he just came in and he took three cities and put garrisons there and told the people they were going to have to start paying taxes to him. They didn't have to pay them to the to Baasha at uh, Samaria anymore. And Baasha went home from Ramah, a little nervous. And uh, Asa went and got all the building materials, you know, shipped them. Shipped him back home. Built his own cities. And because he didn't seek after God, he died after reigning for 41 years. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead. Strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah, and they set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because. Anytime you see a because in Scripture, take special note. It's like the word therefore and wherefore. Okay? If you see a therefore or a wherefore, make sure you find out what it's there for. Okay, because it's critical. 
If you see the word because, find out what he's talking about. Why was the Lord with Jehoshaphat? He answers the question. Because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam or Baalim. He sought the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. He said, what are the doings of Israel? Oh, don't you remember? Rehoboam's going to be the king over Judah, over the, the kingdom of Solomon. He's following Solomon. He's going to be king. And Rehoboam comes to him. And, uh, uh, excuse me, Jeroboam comes to him. And Jeroboam says, hey, uh, your dad just about taxed us to death. We need some relief. And Rehoboam goes to the counselors and they say, man, if you want these people to love you and be loyal to you, just cut their taxes. Okay? George W. Bush didn't do everything right. But I love the tax cut. Okay? Now, it probably only happened because he was from Texas. Texas, I recognize that. <clears throat> Fellow Texan. Uh, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of sense in the rest of the country. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> you say, Case, how can you say that? Well, Claire McCaskill is one of our senators. Uh, and she and I tend to disagree on a few subjects. Okay, I'm not saying she's not a nice lady. Um, I'll leave that alone. It really doesn't have a lot to do with what party they're in. Okay? It has a whole lot to do with what they believe about the Scriptures. Well... The old wise counselor said to Rehoboam, hey, cut them a break. They'll follow you forever. But he talked to his friends that he grew up with, which is often the problem when we get a new president. He surrounds himself with people who are going to agree with him. And, uh, and he got all them together, and he says, hey, well, you know, they're telling me I ought to cut taxes. He said, are you kidding? You go tell them that. Your little finger is going to be thicker than your father's thigh when it comes to taxes. Your father didn't tax them near enough. They got way too much stuff left over. Okay? I mean, it only takes them until about the, the, the first part of April to earn enough money to pay all their taxes for the year. And then, they, you know, the rest of the other, you know, you tell them. They're working for you until August, and then they can work for themselves at the end of the year. And the ten northern tribes said to Jeroboam, hey, you come set up your own capital city, we'll follow you. And they split. When they did, Jeroboam, in an effort to keep the people from going back to Jerusalem to worship, set up two idols, one in Bethel and one in Dan, or Lachish, also known as Dan. Anyway, I set up these two idols, uh, golden calves. Oh, where'd they get that? Well, they got it in Egypt, but they had one already for an example in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt that Aaron had made. And, and so Jeroboam set up those two golden calves, and God said, I would have I made your family king for a long time, but you messed up. 
I am not a golden calf. Well, so there's this problem. Jehoshaphat rose up in Asa's stead and reigned in his stead, and he strengthened himself against Israel, and he joined, placed forces in the fence cities of Judah. I already read all that. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David. What do we know about David? He was a man after God's own heart. He wanted what God wanted. He wanted to love the things that God loved, and he wanted to hate the things that God hated. Wow. What a testimony. And he sought not unto Baal. But he sought to the Lord God of his fathers and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents. And he had riches and honor in abundance. Why? Because he sought after God. He sought after God. Now, hang on here. Okay? Let's see if there's a pattern emerging. We're not going to look at the whole book of First and Second Chronicles, but let's see if there's a pattern emerging. One guy serves God for a little while. God gives him a great victory. And then after 35 years, he forgets God and applies to another king for help. And what happens? War. Because the eyes of the Lord run to and fro about the whole earth. Seeking to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward God. If you don't have that verse written down somewhere in your house, you ought to write it down. Stick it on the mirror, the bathroom mirror, so you see it every once in a while. Or see it on the stick it on the refrigerator, so you see it a lot. Okay. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro about the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward God. And so what happened? Jehoshaphat, his son, comes along and begins worshiping God. And he serves God and he wants what God wants. And he walks in God's commandments. And the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And they brought him gifts And he had riches and honor. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Somebody gives us a bunch of gifts and a lot of honor. Our hearts are lifted up in pride. Whoa, look what I did, you know. Get up and look in the mirror in the mornings. Oh, you handsome dog. Don't you ever die. Or something equally ignorant. It's not us. It's Him. It's not what we can do. It's what He already did. And what He's doing now, He's running around the country, running around the world, seeing whose heart is perfect toward Him so that He can show Himself strong on their behalf. He took away the high places and the groves out of Judah High places, that's where they put the altars to Baal. Groves, those are the groves of trees where one of them in the middle was carved into a statue of Ashtaroth. Ashtoreth in history, Ashtaroth among the Jews. You say, what's the difference? Well, one of them is, uh, it means the uh, goddess of fertility 
and the other one means a goddess of shame. The Jews changed the vowel and it changed the meaning from goddess of fertility to goddess of shame. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, and he names them here, to Ben-Hael and to Obadiah and to Zechariah and to Nethanel, to Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. To teach what? Oh, well, let's keep reading. And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaiah and Nethaniah and Zebediah and Asahel and Shemiramoth and Jehonathan and Adonijah and Tobijah and Toadonijah, Tobadonijah, Levites, and with them Elishama and Jehoram, who were priests. He sends priests and theology students, professors, to the cities, the major cities in his kingdom. And it says in verse 9, they taught in Judah and they had the book of the law of the, of the Lord with them. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and he taught the people. They taught the people. They taught them what? They taught them the Ten Commandments. They taught them the first five books of, the, of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Contained in those books is the story of Joseph. Who after his brothers chained him and threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. And he ended up in prison. Later became the prime minister, the vicier of Egypt. God used him to save the, the tribe of Israel. Because God had promised Abraham. Man, your tribe, your family is going to be a blessing to the whole world. Promised Isaac, I'm going to give you all the promises of your father. And he promised Jacob, I'm going to use you and your boys to bring the Messiah on earth so folks can get saved, have their sins forgiven. It talks about Noah and the terrible flood. They taught him about that. The fact that God got so angry that the thoughts and intents of men's hearts were only evil continually that he just flooded the whole world. Got rid of all of them, except for Noah and his wife and his three boys and their wives. Eight people. It's kind of interesting. The Chinese character for salvation is a picture of a boat with eight people in it. You know? Every Chinese letter or word is a character, and and they're all pictures. Okay, they're losing that fairly rapidly because it's becoming more and more Westernized. But uh, I mean, that's pretty incredible. They've always known about the flood. <clears throat> when you talk about saving somebody, you draw a picture of a boat with eight people in it. Well, you just saved them. 
<coughs> saved them from being hungry or saved them from starving or saved them from anything. That's the symbol. Well, they taught in Judah. They had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and they taught the people. And notice what happened when they began to teach. The fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. He didn't say the fear of the Lord fell on Israel. No, it fell on all their neighbors. Also, some of the Philistines, Israel's historic enemy, brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver. And the Arabians, folks from Saudi Arabia, brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, 7,700 billy goats, he goats. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly. And he built in Judah castles and cities of store. And he had much business in the cities of Judah. And the men at war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. And then he begins to name them and to number them. They waited on the king. Besides those that the king put in the fenced cities throughout all Judah. Chapter 18 talks about how he almost got himself killed because he went down to be friends with Ahab. But the focus of the message is not how good God was to Jehoshaphat. The focus of the message is this particular question. I want to ask it to you. You don't have to answer out loud, although I don't care if you answer out loud. If you got something to say, say it. What would God do in our church? What would God do in our home? Individually. If we put God first and practiced all the ways of David, all the first ways of David. Not when he messed up with Bathsheba. No, the first ways of David, when he was serving God. What might God do for us? Show himself strong on our behalf. Wouldn't that be sweet? What else might he do? Might he make sure you had a job to go to as long as you need it? Might he make sure that you had food to eat? Provision for your children? And how did all that happen? Because they took the Word of God and began to teach it in their cities. We could start teaching it in our kitchen, in our dining room, in our living room, in our bedrooms. And they only had the first five books. We got the whole thing. What might God do for a husband and wife if He became the focus of their marriage? Wow. 
what might he do on your job? Hmm? There's a lot of folks have war on their job. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Some of us have jobs where our battles are spiritual. But some folks, they have battles with individuals. And truth is, those battles are spiritual also. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And some of them are high enough in your company (laughs) that they can cause problems for you. Wow. Good old Jehoshaphat. Let me tell you one more story about Jehoshaphat, and I'll quit. Jehoshaphat was attacked. I don't remember who attacked him. I think it was the Midianites and somebody else. The two, maybe the Moabites and the Midianites, they got together. And they attacked Jehoshaphat. They came towards the city of Jerusalem, and they got <clears throat> surrounded it. And I mean, they're ready to move in on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, instead of sending word to Pharaoh and, and a bunch of treasure, and he had plenty of treasure, instead of sending him treasure or sending it to Ben-Hadad or whoever followed Ben-Hadad up in Syria, <clears throat> or even the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat went to God, began to pray and said, God, help. You remember when Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on the water? <clears throat> he said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come to you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter stepped out of the boat. Now, because Jesus didn't name Peter, any of the disciples, all of the disciples could have stepped out of the boat. But they all sat there to see how Peter did first, you know. That's, that's the kind of faith we have. Just wait and watch to see if God blesses him before we stick our necks out. <clears throat> what was Peter's prayer? Lord, save me! Okay, short, to the point. Well, that was Jehoshaphat's prayer, pretty much. Lord, save us! And the Lord said, Jehoshaphat, take your choir. The Levites that sing in the temple area, take them out and put them on the hillside outside of Jerusalem. And I, I don't know the Bible says which hill. I, it'd be fun to know. Was it the Mount of Olives or was it uh, Mount Zion or was it one of the other mountains? I mean, it's surrounded by these mountains. And, uh, and it, I, you know, I'm just curious. Don't have to know. I'll find out when I get to heaven. But anyhow, he said, take your choir and put them on the hill. And when these armies... Act like they're going to begin their march on his, on Jerusalem. Let them start singing. Praise our God. There is nobody like Him. Praise our God. He is magnificent. Had Rich Mullen been alive by then, they probably would have sang, Our God is an awesome God who reigns from heaven above with Power, and I don't remember the rest of the words. Our God is an awesome God. They began to sing praises. And these armies are marching on them. they got about 300 people in the choir. And here's these armies of thousands with swords and spears and shields and chariots and all that. And you read this passage and you find out that one of them apparently stepped on somebody else's foot. Or something happened. Because all of a sudden, they're fighting each other. And the army destroyed itself. 
And the choir provided the background music. Okay? I think maybe that's where the TV got the idea. You know, it doesn't matter what's going on. It might be something totally non-scary, but you put that scary background music on it, and all of a sudden everybody's eyes get wide and they get nervous, you know. Or somebody will say something totally stupid, and they put a laugh track on it, and so everybody starts laughing. Well, God's people start singing the praises to God. And His enemies start whooping up on each other. And Jehoshaphat, their, their responsibility wasn't done. I mean, when all that was over, God said, Okay, y'all got to go clean up the mess. And so they went down, and they gathered up all the gold earrings out of people's ears, all of the necklaces off of the camel's necks, all of the silver, all of the weapons, everything. And they hauled stuff back to the city of Jerusalem day after day after day after day after day until they had so much junk. The Bible doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure they almost had to have a yard sale. Because their choir sang praises to God. Now, was everybody in the choir skilled? Did everybody in the choir know how to read music? Probably. They're Jewish, and Jewish people have a lot of talent. But it's not required for our choir. Our choir requires that you show up, that you be faithful, and that's all. So you could be in our choir. Because we're going to sing praise to God. And we're going to lift up His name. And we're going to try to focus people's attention on Him. And we're going to, as your pastor, I'm going to try to teach them the the word of truth from the book of the law and the prophets, the Gospels, the Epistles, which are letters, by the way, not apostles' wives. Okay? And the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll do my best to do that part. But I want us to be a church that focuses our attention on doing right. Because the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of Him or her whose heart is perfect toward Him. It doesn't say your heart's perfect. It says your heart is perfect toward Him. You want what He wants. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, dismiss us with Your love. Dear Lord, bless your word to our hearts. And dear Lord, help us to see these Old Testament pictures and recognize that those are examples for us that we might know how to live pleasing to you. That we might be blessed, not for our sakes, but for your sake. Lord, dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Wednesday. Deal with every heart and every situation of folks who are sick, folks who are in need of prayer, folks whose hearts are not toward you. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. Because truth is, you're, you're the only one that's worthy. And we just love watching you work. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. God bless you.